This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach Jacobs. terrible voice yeah. fuck it we're gonna run through it <laughs> ladies and gentlemen what's going on this is the negro league podcast i go by the name of preach jacobs thank you guys for listening we are sponsored by mo better soul clothing go to mo better soul dot enter the code negro to save 10 percent on your next motherfucking order motherfucker we are back it's been a while uh since i've been here it's been about, well, I guess it's been a week. It's been the appropriate amount of time. Last week, okay, give you guys a little confession. Last week, it might have sounded a little weird when we did the uh, the podcast episode. Shout out to my homegirl, Brittany. I just found out, I got this new computer and shit, because I think I told you all last time that my last MacBook died. And um, while I thought we were recording uh, properly through the interface, we were using the internal microphones on the MacBook. The nigga didn't know that. That's why it sounded weird. It sounded like <laughs> the last episode sounded like we recorded that shit in the bathroom, you know what I'm saying, which is kind of gangster in its own way. But we're back. We have a special guest, a Negro that I've known. How long have I known you? <laughs> Over 20 years. Over 20 years. Over 20 years. Oh, that makes me feel old. Let me turn your volume up a little bit. What's your name, nigger? Introduce yourself to the <laughs> to the two <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Andrew Gadgetar. My close friends call me Drew. Bong. Spell that last name. G A J A D H A R. And phonetically, it would be Golf Alpha Juliet Alpha Delta Hotel Alpha Romeo. These goddamn military ass <laughs> niggas. <laughs> oh yeah, we were talking about like getting a, a, a website with just our names, and I can imagine you be like, "Yo, on the radio, yo, AndrewGadgetar.com," and niggas is going to fuck all of that up. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, true, true story. I mean, really, like, like I've I've gone through some like music incarnations since you've known me. Like I've always been preached, but it's like. I had like a rap group called Seven Moons, and Moons was spelled with a Z. And then I had another group called Kinda Blue, and it was like K I N D A B L U. And it was the weirdest shit because I thought it looked cool, but just what we're talking about being on the radio, we'd be like, yeah, you can find us at kindablue.com, K I N D. You know, you ain't got time yeah, for that shit. Yeah, so I'm like, exactly. all right, preach Jacobs. Like, you know, if you can't spell preach, you don't need to listen to my music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, you're doing some really, really fly shit here in the Columbia, South Carolina area. Um, filmmakers under your belt. Tell us about uh, stuff you're working on right now. Uh, currently right now, doing a kid's comedy uh, called Shenanigans. I just felt like it was time for us to get another Sandlot <laughs> slash <laughs> Goonies slash Little Rascals type film out there because you know we enjoyed these films when we were younger, but our kids that we have going up and that would... Our kids. Yeah, right. Just to say that alone, it's like, wow. But, like, I look at my kids now, what they look at on TV, like, my kids are literally watching Netflix mm-hmm. and stuff like that on their phone. Yeah. Like, they don't, they, don't, they don't get a chance to go to the movies and watch anything other than something that has adult content in it. Like, they can't watch a movie that doesn't have violence or, or, or shows some sort of weaponry or, or some sort of kissing or something like that. Yeah. There's no just real kids being kids. So that's where that film came from. And then um, in addition to that, of course, we got uh, 
our martial arts academy that became officiated last year and honored at the uh, Action Magazine Hall of Honors this Woo. year. And I got inducted, which was sick. This nigga right here. <laughs> so, so how, okay, how does that happen? Like, it's like, it's, it's really interesting to me because it's like, you know, to me, I don't think anything's weird about being a musician, being a journalist, you know, being a photographer. Like, it just comes natural. So, like, was this mm -hmm. something that was always in your background, in your mind? Like, all right, I want to get into film. I want to be involved in martial arts. Or did this kind of, some of this stuff happen organically over time? That's actually a really good question. Um, actually, growing up in a military family, all I knew was the military. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom was a retired drill sergeant. My, my father was a ranger. My brother was a ranger. I went to the Marines. Uh, but one thing that I did not count on was being medically discharged from the military and also having PTSD. Mm. With that came a whole slew of problems, um, you know, anxiety issues and psychological issues and stuff like that that I had to cope with. Mm. And trying to get back into the workforce, trying to get a regular job, I was scared to tell them on applications like, you know, I have a psychological disorder, this, that, and the third. I was even scared to go to the VA and apply for my benefits because I thought it would mess me up for getting a job. Mm. Fast forward, I got kids now. And I'm like, wow, now I really can't, you know, I can't risk it. But at the same time, I'm dealing with these things on a regular basis. I got into doing contract security and stuff like that, and they put me in a uniform to be able to cope with a lot of things. Also, martial arts was in addition to that. And doing all these things, I realized, you know, I have something that I can kind of self-help myself, you know, mm -hmm. to just be able to focus on something that can be beneficial. With that being said, when I got, when I had my company started, I ended up do, getting hired to do fight and stunt choreography for a film mm. and fell in love with the whole film process. I already had the entertainment industry embedded in my family, but I never saw it, I never saw myself in the industry. Yeah. But now I realized, once I got into it, I realized every single thing that I learned growing up, every single thing that I was dealing with, with PTSD, every single thing that I was seeing in the environment around me, I realized this is my way to advocate to my people. This is my way to build myself up and to occupy my time and my thought process and put it on paper and put it on film and I just, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with everything. So film literally came from me realizing that every single thing that I do can be involved in one single thing that could benefit other people. I'm, I'm wondering, it's like, when were you in the military? Because I, I was it, it was straight out of high school. It was like yeah, the early I, 2000s. Yeah, I originally, I, originally um, I originally was in the, the military. Technically, I was in the military since 99. Uh, and um, I was in the debt program, and I got out of the military um, initially in 2002, and then fast forward two years later, 2004, I was fully out of the military. So my question is, you know, I, I wrote some stuff about, like, hip-hop culture and, and our inability or our difficulty back in the day to kind of acknowledge stuff like, you know, black men in depression, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like yeah. I, did a, I did an article about um, Biggie, like for for an example, right? Because uh, <laughs> there was a uh, I talked about this before, and I, and I and I wrote an article about like there's something really weird about our Biggie um, relationship in the sense of, you know, I was just in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago, and they had this this uh, party coming up because Biggie was murdered on March 9th, 
Mm-hmm. And they're like, yo, we're going to have a Biggie celebration party on March 9th. And everybody's going to come to it. They're going to drink and have fun. And it dawned on me. I'm like, this shit sounds weird. Because we're celebrating his death. You know? Yeah. And, and people don't... like like. <laughs> and I'm a hip-hop nigga. And we don't know his birthday, which is May 21st, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. And I'm like, I've never heard that before. Where we celebrate MLK's birthday. We don't celebrate his assassination. And when I dig deeper in the Biggie... In my article, I opened it up by saying, like, yo, we failed Biggie because he was telling us that he was fucking depressed and we didn't listen to it. Like, his first album was yeah. called Ready to Die. And the <laughs> last song was called Suicidal Thoughts and we're dancing to it. And so I wonder, there was always this paranoia or distress for me being a black dude growing up in the South. You really couldn't talk about depression. You really couldn't talk about, which I think, in other ways, in, in other ways, like PTSD is kind of under that umbrella of "Yo, I'm having trouble coping with certain things." Did you yeah. feel? I guess if you got out of the military now, do you think that that society is more understanding with those things than it was like you know 15 years ago? Absolutely not. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the main reasons why. And this is actually funny that you say this because, in addition to everything else in film, being a writer for like you know for film. Mm. I, one of the things that I've done is I've gotten myself back into school, mm. and what I'm studying, at what, which I'm actually on the road to getting my master's in, is psychology. <laughs> so uh, the funny thing about it is, is that a lot of things have come to realization to me, which is the fact that all the studies, mm-hmm. if you really think about it, all the studies that have been done by all the psychologists uh, in, in history, mm-hmm. you know, the, the most famous psychologists, uh, thinking about how we are as black people, we were considered, we weren't considered human beings yeah. at one point in time. And probably still but, down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> if, you think about, if you think about that and you think about the history of psychology, all the studies that have been, not all, but you know, the, the major studies that have been done that have developed a lot of the, the uh, practices of therapy mm. for people, the people that have been studied, mm. the subjects that have been studied, we're not black. Mm. In a in a sense, in a sense, it's almost like, you know, we weren't seen. We're we're still not seen as human beings because mm. the human condition of a black man is not the same yeah. as the human condition of of somebody who's not black. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And it's like I, I look at stuff like that, and I'm looking at all these studies while I'm studying, and I'm like reading these things, and I'm like, wow, it, it is apparent that the uh, focus in the black community, the, the mental focus of, of, the, of anguish that we feel and, and depression and all these things, it is, it is not being studied the way that it should. Do you think that, like, and this happens a lot of time, like, when you, when you meet, like, white people and shit, where it's like, a lot of them mean well, you know what I mean? Like, for the, for the most part, a lot of white folks, I mean, they, they mean well, they're good people, yeah. they're, they're allies. But I think there's always this misconception <laughs> because it's like, you know, my mom, you know, I got a brother. I got an older sister. I'm, I'm the I'm the the baby, and my and my sister is is autistic, and mm-hmm. we're talking about in a time like in the '80s where people really didn't know what the fuck that was per se. You yeah. know what I mean? It yeah. was just it was just like yo, there's something that's not you know uh, moving along with what you would think is the normal spectrum of where kids should be at. Like my sister couldn't walk till she was four, and the doctors mm-hmm. was just like, well, we don't know. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And, and so my mom told me. When I was an adult, she was like, oh, yeah, you know, those times I had to take you and your sister and your brother to school. She was just like, there was like a time. She was like, there was like a level of years where like 
every day before she went to work, she would cry. Yeah. And I never knew none of that shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I never knew none of that shit. And and there's this, this thing where, in my mind, I think that's a specific black thing where it doesn't mean that we don't have shit that we've gone through, but, like, we, we, we're so strong that I think that when people from the outside see that shit, they yeah. don't know. So, like, white people are like, well, you guys... I go to a black church and you guys are singing songs <laughs> and you're sounding so fantastic. And in their minds, they're thinking, oh, they're straight. They're fine. Yeah. You know, they got their, look, they got their Hennessy. They got their Jesus. You know <laughs> what I mean? And somehow, I, and sometimes I feel like people really don't understand the struggle that we're going through because we, yeah. we, we look so good going through it. I don't know. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, so I don't know if it's an issue of like there's a neglect on people paying attention to how black people feel or or maybe it's a combination of them just thinking oh they're straight they're good you know you know it's like i i mean i was talking to, to a friend of mine the other day uh who's who's actually, who's actually white and you know i one of the reasons why i love the way that our relationship is is that he actually he openly has conversations with me about you know like trying to understand yeah. and trying to and, but at the same time even even he's guilty of something that a lot of white people that I deal with on a regular basis do, which is they always, it, not to say always, but a lot of times when I meet someone for the first time, mm. one of the first reactions they have is letting me know somehow mm. that they're down for the cause. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they have to tell me like, you know, and I think what's going on with the, you know, like this is you, you wrong. Know, if, and, I could, <laughs> if I could, I would have voted three terms. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, but it's like, they feel like they have to bring this stuff up, and it's like you know, it's cool. You could just be a nice person. Yeah, exactly. You know, you yeah, like yeah. just treat me like a person. You yeah. don't have to let me know that you're down. You don't have to. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to do that. But it's like I feel like there's there's so much there's so much that could be done with opening these conversations that you know that we're essentially just not having, and uh, a big part of that is having the right representation. Yeah. We don't we have a lot of people that are are representing the black community in ways that are are not as beneficial as they think. Yeah. I I I agree and I think, you know, I think that that falls under like when people talk about politics, it's really kind of hilarious because people talk about politics like it's it's this grandiose thing, but yeah. government is the people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like so it's like a lot of times I feel like what what is happening where the pendulum kind of shifts pretty pretty hardcore, everything shifts like way to the other side and it motivates it for us. Like so it's like, you know, you're not gonna see gradual shit happening. So like if you get Obama that comes in and it's just this this huge pendulum pendulum shift where it's this black guy and all this type of stuff. United States has a habit of really going kind of in the opposite direction right after that. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And so like the 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 antichrist of, of Obama is Trump. And as a result of that, I see so many young people of color, whether they're women, whether they're men, they're people in the LGBTQ community. There's a lot of people that are running for offices, winning offices, and 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 that's not the part that's a big deal to me. The big deal to me is there's a lot of these people that got involved in the political process that I don't think they would have done it if Trump didn't get elected. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah, I think yeah. I think 
shit was so ridiculous that that it just changed the course of people's lives. And like, all right, I'm yeah. I'm compelled to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And and essentially, that's kind of what things are supposed to be, right? Like, it's like it's never a big grandiose thing. Like like when you got when you have community leaders, you basically like, yo, I live in this community, I live in this neighborhood. You know what? If I had the ability to put some basketball nets in a local basketball court, I'm going to do that. And then eventually it kind of grows into other things. And that's kind of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to clean our shit up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think I think it's interesting. It's like, and I feel like now we look at so many other people to, to be spokespersons for the community. So it's like, I, I remember I was listening to a, a Farrakhan speech and he's talking to these rappers and he's like, yo, like he might, I think he's like talking to two chains or somebody, and he's basically like, "Yo, you go to some of these preachers with these mega churches. They probably have, I don't know, a, a hundred thousand followers in their mega in their mega church." He's like, "But two chains, you got five million followers on Instagram." So he's basically saying, "Like, yo, you might be a rapper, but you probably have more ears to yeah. get shit done than somebody of the cloth." And I think that's something that's kind of really, really shifted, you know? Yeah. So well, that's true. Do you feel like a, do you do you have that in the back of your head? Like even when you're doing a movie like Shenanigans, do you feel like a a social responsibility to do anything? That's exactly why I'm doing it. Mm. Because I, like I said, I felt like this was my way of advocating to the masses. Like how that's one of the biggest questions that I feel like we miss when it comes to advocacy or leadership is that the the community itself doesn't feel like they can be individually a leader. Like, they don't possess the capability of being a leader. But just like you said, you go on social media, you got a regular person that probably has thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers and people's ears that they can reach. And I'm like, you know, who am I as a a nobody? Like, who am I? How can I really reach people on a massive level? And I realized I could do that through film because I'm looking at all these conversations that people are having online. Somebody has a great point. They say like one thing and then somebody else says something in opposition and then now it's, it goes completely left field. Yeah. And they don't get a chance to... Re- and they may have had a great point. They both probably had great points. Yeah. But the real message never really got a chance to get across. So I'm like, well, through film, somebody pays $10 plus or whatever to go watch a movie... I've never almost at all seen anybody who paid money to go see a movie in a movie theater, even if they th- thought the movie sucked, mm. they stayed to watch. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm like, you know, this is my way of like, you know, you don't, there's no conversations that go, you're not going to, what are you going to talk, you know, argue with the screen? <laughs> like, there's nothing to say. Like, you paid the money, you're going to hear me out. Well, I got a question for you. So the there was like this thing where Steven Spielberg was like going to the Academy and he was kind of advocating that, hey, I don't think movies that are on Netflix should be nominated for Oscars. Uh-huh. And and I understand where he's coming from, but I don't necessarily agree. And, and and I looked at it in the perspective of, number one, you know, Alfonso Cuaron's movie, Roma, he won, like, a few Oscars for that film. Uh-huh. Alfonso Cuaron is heavy in Hollywood as far as being a director, uh, a writer, cinematographer. Matter of fact, he has more Oscars than Steven Spielberg does. Uh-huh. And, I, and I look at Spielberg saying, I don't want Netflix movies to be nominated for Oscars. And I look on the other end of the spectrum where Martin Scorsese has a movie coming out called The Irishman. And it has like De Niro in it. It has Pacino in it. Uh-huh. Harvey Cartel. It's like a $150 million budget. So yeah. in my mind, I'm like, well, shit, you can't tell these niggas they're not working on a fucking Hollywood movie. It's yeah. just the the process of people you know, absorbing 
the films are totally different. So my thing is, a part of me feels like Spielberg is sounding like the record industry maybe about 15, 20 years ago when they were trying uh-huh. to sue kids for, for, for using uh, uh, Napster. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they were trying to fight this tide where eventually technology was like, look, man, we need to figure out streaming services. So like now, yeah. even like as a musician, I don't ask people to buy my music anymore. I'm like, just stream it. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. How do you feel as a filmmaker? Like, you know, um, I know there's, a, there's always this classic feeling of being able to have your movie on a big screen and have popcorn and have that aspect to it. But how do you feel about the new wave of, of, of filmmakers now and, and how well, your art is processed to the people? Well, to be honest with you, this is something that, uh, and I've had conversations in many film uh, groups online and stuff like that about the same subject. And I actually have a, a kind of, I'm kind of on both sides of it. And one of the main reasons why is because I'm looking at it on a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, on the business level, you know, I look at the way that the academy is is uh, derived, how who the members are, who gets to see the films, mm-hmm. everything else, and how these awards uh, ceremonies go and stuff like that, and who judges these things. And if you think about it, all the all the judges that they have, all the all the uh, people that they have judging these films, um, they don't see all the films. Mm. And so I actually had my last film was um, able, if I wanted to, because they contacted me, the, um, mm. the PGA contacted me to, to for it to be uh, on the ballot for, for the PGA. For people, people don't know what's the PGA. That's the Producers Guild of America. And for the people who don't know, it actually means I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry. So, so that's, the, that's the Producers Guild Awards. Word, word, word. So um, with, with that being said, it's like I could have had my film on the ballot, but I had to pay two different things. I had to pay to be on the ballot, mm-hmm. and then I would have had to pay a different price for the uh, members that voted on the films and for them to the, actually see it. And you, okay, and I'll say, do you run the risk of them not seeing it too? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I run the risk of them not seeing it too. And then to top that off, it's like, you know, are they going to actually see it? But mm-hmm. meanwhile, if you look at the digital world now, mm-hmm. more people are looking at films yeah. digitally than they're actually going to the theater. Yeah. For, for, for one, the people that are in these academies and stuff like that, like they, these are celebrities. Yeah. Generally speaking, the majority of celebrities do not go to the regular movie theater. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, that means they have to deal with, with paparazzi, they got to deal yeah. with fans, and there's nothing bad about it. It's just, generally speaking, they want to just live a normal life. They yeah. just, they, and that normal life consists of them sitting at, the, at home on the couch watching Netflix. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you, and, and, and I look at it in that, in that standpoint, and I'm like, you know, yeah, it's great to have your film seen on the big screen and, you know, be voted on and judged and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, there's, these films are making money online. Yeah. They're, they're making a ton yeah. of money online. They're being seen by more people online than they are in the theater. Yeah. And, the, and the statistics that they put out there, oh, well, this film made or, or ha- made this much money in um, opening weekend and all this, that, and the third, they're not just talking about the theater. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so all of that, all of that has to be taken into consideration. And so I think that what he's doing is, or what he said, kind of, kind of, kind of cuts that off. Yeah. And I think in that sense, it is unfair. Mm-hmm. It is unfair. So, like I said, but the, yeah. on the business standpoint, 
that's the way that they've been doing it. Yeah. But and and, and and it's weird. Like, you know, as much as I love Spielberg, I think Spielberg's been doing films probably fifty years plus. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and so and so there's there is this level of like, I don't know. It's there's this romanticism that he has with the movie theater, and I get mm-hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? Um it's sort of like the same thing I feel about the NFL. Like people were like, Oh, you know, the the ratings of the NFL went down because of you know, the Kaepernick. And, I, and another part of me was like, well, there's something about the NFL where the NFL very, very much so wants their public to suffer. And what I mean is, if there's a playoff game in Buffalo, New York, and it's negative 20 degrees, your ticket prices are going to be the same, and yeah. you're going to be outside in the cold. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, you're yeah. going to be fucking freezing. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and that's like the only sport that I see do that. Like baseball, if it rains, you cancel the game, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so like, so imagine a fan base that is used to suffering, like especially if you live in like, you know, Green Bay or something like that, you're going to be in negative 10 degree games and shit like that. And now technology is so dope that you can just watch the game at home. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's yeah. so, it, to be able to watch that shit at home, I know people that have home, like, theaters better than going to the fucking movies. Oh, you know God, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yo, oh, yeah. you, get to, you get to, like, man, you get to watch that shit, then go to Pornhub after the movie's over. It's <laughs> 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 like, on the big screen. It's screen. like, and it's funny because at the movie theaters, I feel like they're trying to make it mm. more like the home setting by adding alcohol. By, exactly. You know what yo, I'm saying? We, we were talking about it today um, with, with, with Al. He talking about them niggas got, like, Chicken wings and, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like they're trying to compete with the home entertainment. It's like you can't compete with being yeah. at home. You just can't. The only the only thing I see with the with the movie theaters is that I think the and I think I heard somebody talk about this earlier, and I agree. They were basically saying like with 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 films in the theater, there's no middle ground anymore, right? So it's either going to be a ridiculously huge budget Marvel movie, yeah. which studios have no problem spending that money because you have a built-in audience with the source material. They've been building up these stories for a long time. So it's it's all good money. Or the other end of the spectrum, you're going to get a movie like Get Out, where Get Out mm-hmm. only had like a $3 million budget, where mm-hmm. studios are like, all right, it's so little to spend on this that it's worth the risk. And then it makes like $150 million. What's not yeah. going to happen are going to be big budget blockbuster movies with with new ideas because they're so terrified that they're not going to make their money back. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And like, and then even look at like television now. You get like Hollywood actors doing television now because like the 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 source material has changed so much. But oh, back yeah. in the day, you know, if an actor, if a film actor, if a movie guy got offered a TV role, that was usually the end of his career. He's like, oh, I'm on the downslide. <laughs> now yeah. you get like you know, like Oscar winners. Wanting you to get into television and shit like that, so I think yeah. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I, I think a lot of it is hit or miss now. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of it's hit or miss. People are going. People are more frequenting uh, film festivals. They frequent absolutely. a film festival more than they go to the regular movie. Which, I, th- which I think is dope, and I think you know that's that's the next step that I think you need to do. I, I am. That's <laughs> I, I mean, I'm nigger, already there, nigger. I'm Segway. Come on, <laughs> I'm already I'm already ahead of you. I'm Mr. Segway. Come on. So, so, so tell the two listeners, hey mom, uh, about what's going on. <laughs> tell us about that. Well, I mean, I'm I'm uh, and again, like I'm I'm taking my approach with the uh, film festival circuit different than uh, I would say a lot of the norm. Mm. Like a lot of the normal people, they they put their films in 
60 or 70 different film festivals in hopes of running into some distributor that's going to give them some sort of offer mm. of something. You know what I'm saying? And generally speaking, a lot of these people don't even know how to they don't even know how to really deal with the distributors mm. for one. And then for two, a lot of people they can't even fathom like they've done their film with like 10 grand or yeah. 10 or or maybe a grand. Like they don't you yeah. know, they have these so low budget, they don't feel like they can even like it's a dream to be in a theater, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Or they can't even fathom them, their film being at Sundance yeah. or Tribeca or something like that. And and it's and it's crazy because you know, there's 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 a business side of it. With me, I look at it on a business side of, well, why not? So when I submitted my films, I submitted my films from the top down. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And that's that. So I did that, but not not necessarily to get distribution. I did that so that I can gain a fan base. Mm-hmm. So which of course people do that too. But gaining a fan base, people will be looking for your film. Yeah. And when I when I go to uh, distribute my film, I personally, which I guess this is kind of news, but um, I'm <laughs> breaking news. I'm, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually uh, developing a. Uh, a stream of theaters now mm. that are are going to be my distribution line, so guy. that I can distribute films for independent filmmakers Word. without them having to even hope for that. Word. I can say without hoping, but have a better chance of getting their film seen on the big screen. That's dope, man. And I think that um, I think that's important. You know, it's it's like it's sort of like this. I had a friend of mine who was a writer. And he was writing his book years ago, and he's basically like, "Yeah, I'm finishing this book up, and I'm sending it to, to um, try to get published." And blah blah blah. blah. I'm sending this, you know. And he and, and I said this to him. I said, "You know, if a, if a publishing company don't pick it up, would you self-publish?" And he's like, "Look, man, I know I can self-publish, but there's something about me having my book picked up by a publishing company that that yeah. makes me feel certain certain type of validation." You know what I'm saying? And yeah. it's like it's 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 like as much as I make music, there's a validation if a record label is like, yo, we want to sign you. you absolutely, know what I'm absolutely. Like, like there's, there's something to that. You know what I mean? And and I think that, you know, a filmmaker to have an opportunity to be in the theater and to be in that, that type of atmosphere, I think that's a big fucking deal. Oh, it means everything. Every time... Look. Shoot, you've been to what matters premiere. Absolutely. It, it was great, it yeah. was dope. Like, like like flat out. Being able to not only just have a scene on the big screen, but to actually have to show up in a limo, see your poster across yeah. the building, to like walk that red carpet and see your all your family and friends and everybody coming to see your work. So what what was the what was the most difficult part of making that film? With what matters? Yeah. One of the one of the most difficult as far as writing was, it or was well writing that that part of it is easy right because and not even even if it's not easy it's easy because it's something that you kind of control it right it's like writing is basically discipline writing is dieting it's like all right I'm mm-hmm. gonna dedicate this time to write this to do that everything after that where getting it financed getting it cast mm-hmm. you know trying to figure out like oh do we have the equipment for it shooting days schedules like like what was the the main thing that that being, I guess, you know, doing a feature length was the biggest issue. And I will say this as simple as I can put it. Uh, the most difficult thing was dealing with any of the issues that we had that we were dealing with while we were filming. Mm. As far as getting the film done and the writing and all that stuff, 
when you treat your film like an individual business mm -hmm. and you develop a business plan, and the, which includes the marketing and everything else for it, it runs 10 times smoother. So with, with, with uh, what matters, from the time I started writing it to the time it was completely done, it was only three months. Damn, nigga. And that's a feature film. Like, that was an hour and a half long film. No, if you got a girl knocked up three months later, <laughs> she might be able to still hide the baby. Right? <laughs> it's like, that's not enough time for nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, but it's like that planning, the planning makes it great, but you always run into problems during filming. Mm -hmm. Like, I had the first day. I think the first day was the hardest day of the entire process. And the main reason why is because one of the main actors, which was the dad, mm -hmm. didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, we had people here from like five different states. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, it was crazy, but the financing part of it was already set up yeah. because me and my co-producer already pledged a certain amount that we would both invest wow. in the film. He sold cocaine. So, <laughs> but, said, what? <laughs> nah, so it was meth. So, 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 um, but like, uh, we, like, I wrote it, I directed it, mm. I co-produced it. I did not plan to be in it. Yeah. It was a business decision. It was an executive decision that had to be made on the spot five hours in, and it was like, oh man, we got to fix this. So I literally went from wearing like two hats, or really just one hat of a, being a director to like wearing a bunch of different hats. Yeah. And, it was, and it was crazy, but that was the hardest thing because now I'm having to focus on acting at the same time I'm having to focus on directing, which people in the, like, in the realm of film, like uh, uh, industry standard, mm -hmm. it don't matter. It's tough. Yeah. It is super tough to direct and be in the film, but because of that, it pulled back on some of the other things that made the, the film quality-wise, like with sound issues or going yeah. back and looking at footage and stuff like that because I had to wear both hats. It made it harder. Well, Those are probably the most difficult things. Your, your, your actor-slash-director Hall of Fame, like is there, is there any, any people directed their own shit that you're like, oh, yeah, this is some of my favorite stuff? Clint Eastwood. Uh, okay, I was, I was gonna go there. <laughs> I was gonna go there. Clint Eastwood is probably one of my between Clint Eastwood um, and Tom Hanks. Clint Eastwood, Tom Hanks. What did Tom Hanks direct that he played in? Um, I, I'm trying to think. I know. I know some of the directing he did. I know he directed some uh, Band of Brothers episodes. I'm not sure. Yeah. You know what? You're right. He directed some movie with Julia Roberts. I can't remember the name of it, but yeah. Okay. But they, like a, a lot of their films. Uh, like, I look at a lot of that stuff, and it's like, you know, I, I can do that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's an obvious one that's, like, right there in front of you. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah so people, let's, let's go to that, Spike yeah. Lee. It's, 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 it's terrible on an audio podcast to point that <laughs> shit on the wall, but, uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a big picture of Spike Lee autograph, yeah. autograph on my wall. Um, yeah, I think Do the Right Thing was probably, I think it's probably my favorite movie of all time. It may be, yeah. it may be not the best movie to me of all time, but it was like, it it aged very well. Like I think it just celebrated its thirtieth anniversary, and it's like a lot of that shit that we're talking about with like police brutality, race relations, and all that yeah. stuff. That shit is still going on. So so yeah, I, I I think um I think that's some hard shit to do, and I think that's why. But that's why like the names that you mentioned, you know, yeah. Clint and, and Spike and even Tom. It, that's why they're such legends because it is that difficult. You know what I'm it's, saying? Yeah, it's like, super like, difficult. You know, 
you look at like Mel Gibson. I don't know what kind of accent it was. But like, <laughs> brave heart, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, which, funny enough, you know, outside of his racism, I really like him as a director because I think the last thing he did was like Hackshaw Ridge, um, that was based on. Um, did you hear about that story? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, the it, military one. Yeah, because yeah. like, it's supposedly they shot some of that stuff in uh, Fort Jackson. I don't know if they shot it at Fort Jackson, but some of the stuff took place in Fort. Jackson. I know. I know a couple of actors who apparently were on it. No, oh, I, don't, I don't know what to what they the, did. The movie but... wasn't the movie wasn't bad, but like like Mel Gibson as a director, uh, uh, what, what's the movie Apocalypto? Yeah, is one of my like sleeper favorites. Like they, it's a really fucking great movie. Yeah, have you, have you ever seen no. it? Yo, no. I, I might have it back there. That's something. It's worth watching. Like it's and it's kind of funny because it's kind of like you know, for Mel Gibson to be kind of like, <laughs> ironically, kind of racist. But also kind of self aware of his whiteness. It's it's like it it kind of takes place with um, you know, I guess it might be Mayans, but it's, it's these these very very like uh, indigenous people dealing with a lot of this stuff, and, and they have to deal with being you know conquered by like the Europeans yeah. who are coming in there. And and it's an extremely dope film. Um, it's not in English. I'm not sure what language it is, um, but it's it's extremely kind of difficult to kind of like listen to Mel Gibson now because you remember that uh the, the racist thing he was mad at his girlfriend about something and she recorded a conversation and and I don't know this is how I know I'm getting old when I hear like white people say racist shit I don't get angry anymore I laugh at it because it's yeah. like really really funny to me so like Mel Gibson was like fussing at his girlfriend he was drunk on the phone he was like well you know that fucking dress you wear you look like a fucking whore it's like okay Mel he's like, I mean you know you can wear what you want you know if you get attacked by a what do you say by a pack of niggers <laughs> I, was like, I was like word are they cigarettes a pack of niggers like what, what, what so like I'm supposed to be appalled by this guy that played in Lethal Weapon, but I'm just like <laughs> laughing at his racism. Like, dude, like, who says a pack of niggas? <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, like, after all this shit, all these Oscars that he's won, when I hear his name, I think of a pack of niggas. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Damn. Aside from that, Apocalypto is really dope. So, 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 as we said at the beginning of the podcast, like, I've known you 20 plus years. If you could speak to the Drew that I met 20 years ago. What mm. kind of advice? It, it, it can be whatever kind of advice you want to give them. It can be, you know, uh, uh, relationship advice. It can be family advice. It can be career advice. Like, what would you want to tell them? I would tell them, don't do anything in life until you've prepared for it properly. Mm. That's probably the, the best advice I would have given my younger self would be, it don't matter if it's relationships, it don't matter if it's business, whatever you do in life, do not follow trends and take your time to research and prepare for whatever objective you, you put in front of you in life. Do you think your, your 20 year younger self would have listened to that? Yeah. What? Okay. That's I honestly think that I would. Yeah. And the main reason, the main reason why is because, uh, I think about who my influences were 20 years ago and the things that they were telling me around that time were similar things. Yeah. And like, uh, like, which was my older brother, mm -hmm. you know, he, he was the big, probably one of the biggest influences in my life. And as of two days ago, mm -hmm. it's been 20 years since he Get died. Get the fuck out of here. March 15th, 1999. 
is when he died. So wow. my so my twenty years ago self. Wow. The thing knowing what I had in my mind, knowing the influences that I've gotten from him, the guidance that I got from him, and how much I've lived that for the past twenty years, I know I would have listened. Wow. That's crazy. It is. Yeah. It is. Wow. This fucking nigger, man. You got me feeling feelings and shit. <laughs> I mean, it's, you got me but it's true. I can, I can honestly say that about myself as far as advice. I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up with a father. I grew up with a mom who was mm-hmm. a drill sergeant, literally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, and, and the guidance that I've gotten from her, the most of the guidance that I've gotten from her in, in regards to the way that my life is has been as an adult. Well, how, when, when, when is the, the semi-autobiographical work is coming because you have like a very very interesting story it's funny you say that (laughs) (laughs) so i actually off and on i've been writing uh a story about my life called endless road ever since 2008 (laughs) so here's my question if you weren't playing you who, who would play you who would play me? Because yeah. it eats yourself, nigga. Oh, man. <laughs> if, if I could pick anybody? Yeah, anybody. If I could pick anybody. Uh, dang, that's a tough one. Because there's so much. Dang, that's a tough one. Yeah. Dang, that's a tough one. I think that's a reflection of, like, we don't have an array of, like, great black actors. Nah. Out there, right? You know what I'm saying? We don't. He's like, damn, the ones that, the ones, too old. Yeah, I was about to say, the ones who could play me are too old to play me. So, <laughs> dang. Well, you got to go get Denzel's son. That's <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's basically what Spike did when he did uh, Black Klansman. I was reading some of the trivia on it. The guy that the story, the guy that wrote the story about Black Klansman, he um he was shopping a film deal in the nineteen nineties uh-huh. for it. They were trying to get Denzel to play the lead character. And oh, so wow. like it like it didn't happen. So like twenty something years later, well, we'll just get Denzel's son to do it. Who <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> did a great job. Wow. He's really fucking dope. Have you seen Black Lives Matter yet? No. Uh, what's the last time you've been to the movies? <laughs> I go to the movies every weekend. All right, so last thing like you saw? literally every weekend. What's the last thing you saw? Um oh, what's the name of that movie? Um I can't remember the name of the movie because it was like random. Uh, it was just the other day. Who's in it? Um, the the kid that the kid that was in. Um, damn, what's the name of the movie he was in? Uh, it was the one with Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> the one, oh, uh, the equal was it the Equalizer two? Yeah. The the kid that was that was like he was trying to keep from the gangs and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was in it. Was it an HBO movie or something? No, it was in the theater. Okay. Yeah, he was he was in it. He was like the main character. Was he good? Yeah, he was good. All right, because he, he was good. Like, I, I, he was weird in Equalizer too. Like, he's the same way in the other movie. He's the same like the same way. Oh gosh. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm as an actor, I'm curious to know if that's how he is in real life. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, and it, is he typecast? I'm painting this wall like on the yeah. Equalizer. <laughs> yeah, like that's how he literally was in this film too. I say I tell you something funny. About about Denzel that I think is really cool, and and kind of speaks about how dope of an actor he is. Like I'll use a couple of examples. Like for an example, um, if you watch Shawshank, the original Shawshank, um, the older character was going to be Clint Eastwood, and the younger character I think it was going to be like one of these assholes that was on like NYPD Blue or something like that. And then like it kind of switched, it changed, and then it got to the point where, um. 
uh, the character that Morgan Freeman played was going to be this Irish actor. I forgot who the Irish actor was going to be, but they never suspected to get a black actor for it. And so mm-hmm. when Morgan just got the role, like it wasn't intended for a black guy. That's why there's a part in the movie when they was asking him, like, why did they call you Red? He was like, mm, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm Irish. Like, that was kind of his inside <laughs> joke of yeah. kind of saying, like, this this role was written for a white guy, but I took it. So Equalizer, before Denzel took it, was supposed to be Russell Crowe. Oh, wow. And, and Flight, before Denzel took it, it was going to be Tom Hanks. Oh wow! You know what I'm saying? So I think yeah. it's dope. Like he just that like it interchanges. Like it's not yeah. you know Denzel don't get black roles. Denzel yeah, gets yeah. leading roles. You know what and, I'm saying? And meanwhile, people try to uh, criticize Denzel and say that he's not as diverse as an actor. Which, I'm which like, yeah, right. Which is hilarious <laughs> because it's, it's like if you saw the fingerprints on those scripts before Denzel take it, it's it's yeah. a lot of like top tier names. And the only reason Tom Hanks didn't take Flight is because he ended up doing that Clint Eastwood movie called Sully. That was an airplane. Oh, gotcha. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so I just think that's really kind of fresh because, like, you know, I think that's the mark of like a really great actor. Was basically like, oh, you know, you, you're going to change the 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 nationality, the race of this character because I'm that dope and I can bring this to it. So I thought that was pretty cool. But um, you know, so what did you see before that? Because we still don't know what the fuck the name of this movie is that we're talking about. I, I know it sucks too. You seen Captain Marvel yet? Oh yeah. All right. What do you think oh, about? Yeah. I thought I thought Captain Marvel was a, a pretty good um, introduction mm. film. I have I have this thing where I, I look at films that's like introducing a character where it's like you know there's going to be a part two and yeah. all this other kind of stuff, and I judge them, you know. And this this one I thought was a really good. They yeah. did a they did a good job with uh, with bringing her to light, her strength to light, and everything yeah. like that. I I enjoyed it. I, I wrote a I wrote a article on it, like the article that I wrote. It wasn't necessarily a, a movie review. It was more kind of like, you know, there's a bunch of like, I don't know, comic book fanboys got really mad. She made a comment saying that I think that uh, a lot of these movies, these superhero movies that have women characters and people of color, they need to be more women and people of color writing reviews. And like, <laughs> yeah. and dorks got mad all over the world and tried to like kill the score on Rotten Tomatoes and all that stuff. But. <laughs> But I enjoyed it, and 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 I'm just ready for uh, for Avengers Endgame. We got to figure out what we're gonna do for that. Are you a Game of Thrones guy too? Dude, listen. Let what, me tell you what, what I did. What are we doing? I went because I have every season. Oh god! I went back and I started from episode one, and have been watching it religiously so that when it when it comes out, I'm Dog, gonna be right there. We got to do something for for the premiere. We got to do something like. I don't know, like, like, I, I have like the HBO app, so I can't really necessarily watch shit live. <laughs> but like, yeah. that'll be some shit that like, if, if there was a theater around here to let niggas like see like Game of Thrones yeah. for, for, those, for those eight weeks in a row, that'd yeah, be some that would be that would actually shit. be tight. That would actually be tight. Let me see. Let me see what I can do. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, let me I'm see. Not, I'm, yo, I got my mind yo, like the gears turning do. right now. You let know what I'm saying? Let me see what I can do. Dang, that would be that would be dang, oh, that would be dope. That, that should be hard as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's funny because like it's like everything is like now, oh, I did this on my own time. So like television has become this thing where like back in the day, if you went home in time to see Fresh Prince, you missed it. Now everything is just like I'll record it or I'll watch yeah, it or I'll yeah. watch it. Very rarely outside of sporting events 
do you see people have to be home when this shit airs? Yeah, Game of right. Thrones has that. And that's something like that's something that goes back to classic television that that's I don't true. Think I see anymore. Like, it, you know what I'm saying? If I go online and it sucks because I, I use my my uh what do you call it the box thing or whatever. Yeah. So I don't get to see it right when it comes out. Yeah. But it's like the next day I'm online, like, do yo, not ruin yo, this for I me. I can't go on Facebook. I can't go <laughs> yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, I can't. Like, don't yo, ruin this for me. Fuck everything up. <laughs> I used to get mad. Like, I used to watch like Walking Dead and I just got sick of the show. And I'm like, oh, there's Walking Dead spoilers. And I thought about it. I was like, Walking Dead spoilers is basically somebody got bit. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Every, every episode yeah, of Walking yeah. Dead is like, we gotta go get some food. <laughs> yeah, and somebody get bit at a grocery store. You know what I mean? Like oh, that's every episode of Walking Dead. So I just kind of got tired of it. It was like, all right, man. Nah, Game of Thrones is on a yet. whole different. Le- you don't know what's yeah. gonna happen. Insane. And 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 again and again, what we were talking about before. I'm reading articles that they're gonna have like battle sequences that are like forty minutes long. Yeah. How, you know, and people talk about, oh, well, that's television. What about Game of Thrones look like it's television? No. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. like, like, it might not be traditional movies, but it's not TV. No, it's, it's something, not. It's, no, it's not. some hybrid that if, if Spielberg would have said, yo, I don't think, um, you know, Roma should have won these Oscars. This is on Netflix. He could say, he could say, it might not be the traditional films, but it's not TV. Yeah. So I don't know if that means that the Academy has to have a special, like, another category. Because mm-hmm. they have the ability to change their minds. Remember, not even, I don't even think it's been 10 years. Like, back in the day, it used to be five movies nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Now it's 10. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so so it's like, the Academy can make adjustments. Like, so, so I don't think it's a slight if it's like, you know, best streaming movie or something like that. Uh, Oscar's a fucking Oscar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I, I think you I got... I mean, they're even having awards for some categories that aren't even shown. Absolutely. You, you know, know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, what was your favorite movie of last year? Like, what's the, what, like, because I think what, what won Best Picture this year? It was, uh, damn, what won? Which which puts it in perspective because I can't even remember. What one best picture? Oh yeah, Green Book. Oh yeah, yeah, Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> which I love, Mahershala Ali. Like he's one of my yeah. favorite actors right now. Um, but it was it was so whitewashed as fuck. But I, I rarely feel like the Oscars get that shit right with the best picture. But like yeah. the past year, what was the favorite shit you've seen? Hmm. Past year, I well. I'm gonna tell you the the I would have to say, Black Panther. Yeah, and the main, but it, it, it probably coon. different, probably <laughs> different, probably for different reasons than a lot of other people would. Um, just like going back to with my brother and, and stuff like that. Like growing up with the life that I've had, I've always had a sense of, you know, of identity. You know what I'm saying? Like Black Panther put a lot of proudness into my identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it and I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I got choked up in the theater. Yeah. I literally went to the theater and seen Black Panther five times. Wow. And it got me every single time. It was like I had goosebumps. Wow. During certain parts I would get goosebumps. And it wasn't like it was the greatest anything. It's yeah. just the the emotion that it pulled on me is something that film no film has done and, and last that's, year. And that's the power of 
the theater. That's the power of the movie theater. And, yeah. and, and you know, because even when I talk about like the game is changing where people are watching more shit at home with Netflix, that's not me saying that we should get rid of the movie theaters. But but the movie theaters now is just this highly specialized thing where yeah. it's just like I don't go to the movies as much as I used to, but when I go, I want that experience. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm gonna tell you a movie that if you haven't seen it, and it was my favorite movie of the past year, and like I say past year because like Black Panther came out last February, but it came out like more recent than that. That um that Spider Verse movie. Ah uh, no, I still haven't seen that it. That shit is incredible. I heard. I, still fact, I got the it. Jordans right here. The, like the, the shoes the kid wore. This shit is incredible. Incredible. If you got your laptop, I got it on a thumb drive. I'll get to you. That shit is incredible. And 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 I remember um seeing that with my homie and his two sons. And like it there was these moments. I mean, because it, it touched on a lot of stuff without it being like we was joking about the white folks coming to yeah. us and be like, I'm an ally and I'm down. It touched on a lot of stuff without being in your face. So you got this kid, Miles Morales, who's a black and Latin kid. His dad yeah. is a black cop in New York City. His mom is Latin. So you have you have that dynamic in there. You have, you know, the city that he's in where he's going to this this prep school, so this is an acknowledgement of these two different worlds. Then, like, when he goes to these other characters, he has a crush on a white girl, and it's not a big deal. So it's like all these things, without them having to put it in your face, yeah. it, it, it did such a great job. And there's a scene in there where his dad is talking to him, and his dad is saying, like, I love you, son, and this and this and that, stuff that a lot of black fathers don't do to their sons. And yeah. I remember there was this moment where his dad was talking to him, and my friend looked at his sons and gave him this look. And, like, they, whatever lesson was in there, they got it. And yeah. I was like, fuck. I wish I had this when I was a kid. You yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, so, yeah. so I think it's dope that you're doing a, 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 a children's film because, like, even, like, Stranger Things is a nostalgia that I get with that. But, like, there's something about those type of movies that are specifically speaking to, to kids intentionally. I think yeah. it's really, really fresh. And, and, as, a, and as a black dude... I wish I had something like that when I was a black kid. It, it was incredible. Well, if, in, in the same light of that film, mm. I would have to say that I would recommend watching What Matters <laughs> because, because well, of the same of a lot of the same issues that I well, touched on. All right, so, so if our listeners wanted to see it, and we'll we'll post a link too. Um, how can I see it? It's still in the distribution phase right now. Ah, okay. It's still in the distribution phase, but um, there are big things planned for for it. Listen, all y'all niggas gotta do is send me an email, preachjacobs at, at, at Gmail. You know what I'm talking about, and, and send me five dollars for my cash app, more than a soul. I seen your Dropbox link. You know what I'm talking about? I click that bitch, watch it. After you watch it, you delete it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you gotta erase your digital carbon copy. You know what I mean? They can. I mean, they can. I will say this: they can look at the uh, the trailer mm. and see. You know, they can see the trailer and be like, "Yo, that's." I, I'll post a link for the you trailer. Can tell. Uh, you can tell. When we had this episode. Um, we've been going for about fifty five minutes. Shout out to to us because we're drinking coffee at twelve forty five in the morning. Because um, <laughs> it took me about an hour to figure out how to get this driver to work on this new computer so we can fucking record this goddamn podcast. So <laughs> so even we finish in a few minutes, I'm gonna be up. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I know I'm gonna be doing Pornhub, but um, <laughs> I don't know how every podcast Pornhub gets a shout out. So it's like, like does Pornhub sponsor your podcast? Like, nah, I just a big fan. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, this is a huge fan. What up, Jada Fire? Um, 
Yeah. So, uh, anything else we need to touch on, man? What, what else you doing? You doing so much goddamn shit. I know. I'm. I've. I've found it to be as long as I'm busy doing something and being productive, uh, I'm making moves. You know what? I and I think that when we're talking about like you know depression and PTSD and things like that, I think I learned with myself being stagnant is a part of my depression, right? So it's like. Yeah. I got to keep moving. You know what I mean? It's you have to. Like, it's like somebody said this, and they were basically saying, like, you, you, the, the language that you use, it, it affects how you operate. For an example, it's like, don't don't say words like, I want such and such. You know, because the word want tells your brain, I ain't got it yet. And yeah. want, sit still. So the language instead is, whatever it is, it's coming. And so when you say it's coming, you put it in the active sense where where if something's coming, that means it's moving. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And so my depression is kind of associated with stuff where it's like, if I ain't got shit going on, you start to be stagnant, you got to sit still. So I always have to have stuff moving. And this, These are these are methods, actually, in cognitive behavioral therapy and psychology. Words. Since you're using big words I don't understand, I'm going to take it as disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's just you, you're replacing... Irrational thoughts um, with those key words. These are irrational thoughts, mm-hmm. and you're replacing them with rational yeah. thinking, and that's you know that's basically the same thing. All right, so um, coming soon is going to be Andrew Gadjar, name you can't spell. Yeah, try that out, <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Gadjar. That's be the name of this episode, Doctor. Doctor. Surprisingly, Gadgetar. there is a Doctor Gadjar. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've never even met him. Really? I looked it up. I was like, yeah, whoa. <laughs> That was crazy. Shout out to you. <laughs> I don't know what kind of doctor is it. It'd be hilarious. He's like a, I don't know, gynecologist. She. She's a guy. Oh, oh. Hey, and hey. she's here. What? I, listen, Nigga, it was it cousin. was surprising. Trust me, it was super surprising when I found out. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. She's a medical doctor. All right, well, next time you go in there to get your... Uh... <laughs> I've never met her. Oh, <laughs> I've never met her. All right, this is an intervention. Like, come on. <laughs> no, I, think, I think my sister has. I just, I don't, I've never met her. You need to get in touch with her. Yeah. And be like, just, just scare her for a moment and be like, listen, <laughs> did you have a kid back in that year? <laughs> <laughs> just scared the shit out of him. Hey, look, oh, man, man. If, you, if anybody, like, if any of my friends want to play a trick on me, all I got to do is, like, send, like, their 10, 12-year-old son to send me a letter and be like, yo, <laughs> did you meet some woman, and he, they can say her name, I wouldn't remember it, some woman at a concert at blah, 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 <laughs> she was red bone and had locks, I'm like, oh, shit, that's my kid, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, Dang. It don't take much. I'm sorry. But, um. <laughs> All right, I think that's it. Uh, what what uh, what ways people can catch you on your social medias? Uh, American Pit Fighting Academy, um, Picture Media Group. Uh, also go to picturemediagroup.com. You can go to Carolina Film Network, npo.org, or also look up Carolina Film Network on social media as well. And what's your name again? Andrew Gadgetar. All right, say, say that shit. How you did the military shit? G, G, G is for gook. golf. Golf Alpha. It's <laughs> Golf Alpha Juliet Alpha Delta Hotel Alpha Romeo. I hate you, military. <laughs> shit. But they can spell it after that, though. <laughs> when you said Juliet, I was like, is Juliet with a J or a G, my friend? Oh, oh, this could say golf. Anyways. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'd be terrible at that shit because if you try to say like something that like you know start with a B 
but it sound like a G. You know, you try to say certain words and people on the phone with you. Yeah. They'd be like, <laughs> you know, what, what's the B one? What, what's B? B? Bravo. B for bravo. I was like, B for butt, you know? Like, <laughs> you know? A, f- a is an anus. <laughs> trying to pay a bill and not knowing it phonetically, but trying to tell him something. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the Negro League Podcast. Go by the name of Preach Jacobs. We are sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to MoBetterSoul.BigCartel.com. Enter the code Negro. That coffee kicking. Enter the code Negro to save 10% on your next order. We're also sponsored by Tussie. Tussie, Tussie. Ooh. I'm kidding when I sponsor by Tussie. But um, yeah, mobetasold.bigcartel.com. Enter the code Negro, save 10%. You can find me in all the places at Preach Jacobs. Um, guys want to donate some money because a nigga be broke, go to Cash App, Money Sign, Mo Better Soul, and it'll go towards all the stuff that we're trying to do to keep this podcast going, man. Um, we appreciate it. We love you guys for listening. We'll be here next week. Nigger. Peace. I'll be touching you to you, baby.